Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. My dad is my hero. He'll always be there to take your call, and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman-Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> in order to be a real-life Superman, you got to own up to those mistakes. Timmy Ogundepe, welcome. How's it going? Going good. How are you? Um, I, I could be better, but no, I can't really complain for the most part, you know? Yes. Are you ready to talk about workplace discrimination? I am ready to talk about workplace discrimination. I'm going to have to preface it so I don't get sued for defamation, as in my opinion or factual. I can't say I'd be very careful my words, but I don't give a fuck what they do to me. They can try to sue me and stop me from talking. No way to stop me from talking is killing me. So a little piece of paper ain't going to do nothing to me. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because I feel like People are treated differently based upon having legal representation. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Definitely. If they know, or if anybody knows that I have legal representation, they're going to be more careful with what they do and more and more strategic compared to if you're dealing with me or individual, because they may think that I don't know what I'm doing or the person or what I'm doing and not informed. But I do a lot of research. Of course, my you know, research isn't going to equivalent to the experience and the education, but I don't, I don't just throw things out there without researching and making sure, okay, can I do this? Can I say this? Can I not say that? If I can't, do I really give a fuck if I can't? You know, that's kind of how I think. Somebody could tell me, hey, you can't cuss at work. Technically, I can cuss at work. I just got to be okay with the consequences. And that's what I'm teaching my kids is, hey, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Just know the consequences. And if you're okay with it, fine. If you want to call me names and call me out my name as your dad, you can do it. But just know the ramifications could be a quick Serena Williams, Serena Williams, you know, forehand, backhand <laughs> to the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Consequences are big. Yeah. Did yeah. you know about workplace discrimination like prior to this? Had you ever experienced it any other time? I knew about it. Of course, I knew people who at the time has went through it. Actually, somebody who one of my best friends also going through something similar. So I knew about it. It's never happened to me. I'm kind of the person like it won't happen to me because people know that I'm not going to just sit quiet and let it happen. That was my just my thought process. So then when they did this and I'm calling them out on it and they're still doing it and they're, and they're not trying to hide it better than they are, that's kind of a disrespect to me. Like, so you feel like you can just terminate me and not give the real reason or have a fake reason that I'm going to sit here and take it. That means you think that I'm an idiot, A, or you don't you don't know how serious I am about this shit. So they're going to find out. That is really interesting, right? And has there been any point in deciding to speak out against it where you're like, eh, maybe I should just let it go? Definitely. The biggest thing about me is that I have a pretty crazy background, right? I think I sent you some things, my upbringing and whatnot, and I don't hide it. I've done podcasts for interviews about my background, my suicidal ideation attempts and jail time and all that. I don't hide it. I'm proud of it because 
I feel like that's what made me resilient and be able to what I call thug it out my situation. So a lot of the times I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm talking to people and lawyers and family and they're warning me, hey, they're going to come for your background. They're going to come for you. They're going to try to undermine who you are, trying to make sure that your evidence isn't as authentic or try to put doubt in people's mind based on your background. And they're like, they're, they're Goliath and you're just a David person. And I'm like, fuck it, let's do it. Like that motivates me for people to not really underestimate me. I love when people underestimate me because I love, I'm the kind of person that's, they'll throw it in your face. Like I told you I'm going to do this shit. Look what happened. I did it, you know? So when people say, hey, you should want to go against this multi-billion dollar company organization and just you, fuck yeah. Well, I know why, because I've, come, I've overcame suicide three different times. There's nothing harder than that. There's nothing harder than overcoming suicide one time by yourself, two times even harder. And then three times, no, no, nobody has the strength that I do. So I'm excited. Yeah. Do you want to give a little bit of your backstory and kind of what you've overcome? Yes. Yeah, so I um, was born in Nigeria. I grew up in uh, Minnesota and my family was lower middle class, I guess you call it. So we weren't really broke, broke, but we didn't have, we didn't have a lot, right? So I was in sports most of my life. So one time with us, I was in track and AAU basketball and all that. So most of my friends growing up, they didn't come from my high school. They came from, you know, AAUs and whatnot. And I kind of got into bad things, I guess you can call it. Um, I was never in a gang, but I was, you know, hanging around people who were in gangs. I know people right now who probably shouldn't be walking on the street right now, but look, I, <laughs> I'm not a snake, so I ain't going to say nothing, but I kind of removed myself from that situation, right? So I don't hang out with them anymore. But, you know, back to growing up in high school, my brother was always the athlete of the school, the popular one, person who did, gets good grades, like the prize child, blah, 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 blah. And I'm the rebel. I'm the one that if you tell me to do something and it don't make sense, either you got to make it make sense to me, I'm not going to do it. Like some people tell me, hey, don't sit out, don't stay out you know, past midnight. Why? I didn't, I didn't get it. Nothing has ever happened to me past midnight. Why can't I stay out past midnight? Things like that. Oh, make sure you get good grades in school, in middle school. Why? What the fuck is middle school grades have to do with? Like, I have not once used a parallelogram since I graduated high school. Why the hell we have to learn about parallelograms? I don't even know what the fuck that is anymore. You know, so shit like that. I'm just like, well, this don't make no sense. What made sense to me is sports and fighting. I have to make sure nobody fucked with me, right? If they fuck me, either, you know, you're going to get punched in the face or you're going to get cussed out. And sports, because I love it. I just loved it. So back to the sports thing, my brother was a you know, all-star, whatever. And I didn't quite live up to his hype. I was good. I played, you know, I went to college, played football, whatever. I was good, but not as good as he was. So I kind of you know, rebelled and... My mental health started kicking in probably like middle school or so. Didn't really know what it was. My parents thought there was just, you know, temper tantrums or whatever that I had. But it was, you know, mental health stuff that was kicking in. 2005, 7, and 2012, I tried committing suicide all three times. First time was, first time was a gun to the head. I had a safety on. I was so pissed out. I'm like, damn, I can't even kill myself right. I was fucking furious. I was absolutely furious. And it took so long, the whole day. I had to wait for my parents to be asleep. I was in the kitchen on the floor and my dumb ass forgot the safety. Not a dumb, my, thank God I forgot it, but safety was on. I can't do it twice. I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> that was my one chance. I'm not doing that again. It was, yeah, freaky. So then 2007, Wait, six, did you have any, like, like what went through your mind? I don't know. I felt like I was a burden to everybody and I was still underage. So I was still under my parents' rules and whatnot. And I just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You guys don't like me. I don't like y'all. Why am I even fucking here? You know, I didn't have a future. My grades were shit. I was short, so I couldn't play basketball. Even though I love basketball. Plus I had no shot, but I thought I did anyway. Um, did so you I ever talk to your parents about it though? No, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that I did not want to be living. It was very weird. I didn't, I didn't want to live. 
just like, uh, is this really like being an angry person, being sad all the time, wanting to fight everybody, not living up to expectations, making, you know, getting whoopings or whatever the case may be. And he's like, this ain't fucking life. Fuck all this shit. You know, I don't, I don't got time for this. Did you ever say that though? Probably. Probably. I don't know. I can't remember. I, no, I lied to you. I probably did it because my parents, bless their heart, I love them to death, but they didn't, they weren't the kind of parents you can really talk to about deep shit, mm. right? They thought depression, well, yeah, they thought depression was kind of like something you could snap out of, right? Like, hey, you got to suck it up, blah, 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 whatever. They grew up in Nigeria. They Nigerians don't really deal with depression like that. So at the time, I just thought they didn't care, but they really did not know. No, and I don't fault them for that. But at the time, I, I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I, I, I hated my, I hated my, if you listen to this, dad, I'm sorry. I didn't like my dad. <laughs> I didn't like my dad growing up, right? Interesting. Uh, so yeah, that happened 2005. What was he like? He's a very hardworking man. This man can can sleep three hours and be functional. I never, at the time, I'm like, damn, this motherfucker is crazy. And now I'm doing it. And now I'm cussing, I'm getting mad at my dad like, dad, this is your fucking fault. I'm only sleeping three hours a day, four hours a day, and I'm ready to go, <laughs> you know? But he was a very hardworking, very loving. He, you know, showed respect to my mom and whatnot. He expected a lot from me, mm. uh, from all of us. And he expected us to just, just listen to what he says, right? Like, hey, I'm your dad, do this. Why become your dad? No, that's not fly with me, right? That don't fly with me. I need to know why I'm doing this, like I said earlier. So he was very, no, very tough. He loved putting us in sports. He was very supportive in sports. He would drive us to camps and whatnot. So that was good. But he was never the kind of dad to like talk to about deep shit. Like, I've never had a, a conversation with him about girls ever in my life. My first time I had a sex talk with my, my mom was after my son was born. And I remember saying to my mom, mom, isn't this a little, just a little bit too late? <laughs> you know what I mean? One time my mom found condoms in my wallet. She took it out, threw it out, threw it away, never brought it up to me. And I was upset. I didn't know that I didn't have it. So I'm expecting, I have a condom in my wallet. And then all of a sudden I don't. That fucked me up. So I was a little upset. But <laughs> story. she found a liquor bottle in my in my laundry basket, threw it out, didn't speak to me about it. So they're, they didn't really, I couldn't talk about anything growing up. If they would have asked you, do you think you would have had the conversation? Oh, definitely. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so and then, has that changed? Like, no, are you able to go deeper now? Yes, but I don't want to. Hmm. I don't. I don't want to. They're. I think right now they respect me more as because I'm an adult and I have you know my master's. So I think that really put us in their mind that like, hey, this motherfucker is actually pretty smart, <laughs> right? But I just don't feel like they need to know all the deep stuff that's going on. And they're both pastors. And I'm not religious like that. So I would tell them, like, I would tell them, hey, this is going on with Lululemon. And my mom would just say, you know, God's going to help you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not what the fuck I need. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't need that. I'm like, it's nice, but I want advice. What should I do? Right. Besides the fact that my mom said, hey, get a lawyer. That's the only advice she had. But no, I don't Did really you listen to that? I Man, I'm trying, but all these lawyers, look, any lawyer that listens to this shit, stop being scared of Lululemon. They're, stop being scared. That's all I got to say, because there are a lot of lawyers are scared to go up against this company. It's like, fuck it. I'll go against it myself. Who cares? You know, but no, I haven't. I'm speaking with lawyers. They're either too expensive. One asks for a 20,000 retainer. I'm like, bro, I don't have a job. <laughs> I, I don't have a job. How can I pay that? No, other ones ask for 75 and five. And just like, I don't have money for that. But my goal isn't just to sue. My goal is to make, to bring change, right? To make people aware that this company is not all sunshine and rainbow. And I'm exposing, right? as much as I can legally, even if it's illegal, I don't, I don't give a fuck. You know, I don't, as long as I get the word out and I have people to support me and get my story out and all the things I'm going to say are factual that I can back up, I don't really give a fuck what they do to me besides killing me. If you kill me, that's fine, but I'm not the only person that has the evidence, so it's not going to really matter. And I'm saying that because I watched a show 
that that happens to Mike. So I'm kind of not worried about it, but I don't have a job. So I'm putting that out there for the world. I did not die from a car crash and I died from suicide. I did not die from anything else. <laughs> yeah. So what does that do for you? Does that give you confidence or strength? I don't really do a lot of things without being confident or semi-confident. I'm not confident that I can win a court case because it's hard to prove discri racial discrimination when you work remotely, right? I can prove retaliation. I can prove wrong termination, but I can't prove, I can't really prove racial discrimination. I can prove discrimination and bullshitness from them, but that's not illegal, right? So in that regard, I have some things. I don't want to ruin the surprise for Lululemon, but I have some things to show racial discrimination, but is that going to be enough? I don't know. But the other shit that I have, and even if I don't win that or if I can't sue from that, I'm going to put it out there so the world knows what the fuck they're doing and let the world decide, hey, this is a company I'm going to support or not support based on what they did to this black man who's only trying to clear his name. That's all I was trying to do. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, that is really brave. I mean, there's a lot of industries where I feel there are inappropriateness or discrimination. And I think a lot, I mean, I myself have experienced inappropriateness. I don't know if it would qualify as discrimination, definitely against the law behavior mm -hmm. in workplaces and never said anything because yeah, it's, it's expensive to lawyer up. And how does it reflect on you as well as how does it reflect on the company, right? Like everybody worries it could reflect badly on them. Do you worry about that at all? Yes, I do. Everybody's telling me like, hey, be careful because other employees may look at that as, you know, troublemaker and whatnot. And I'm thinking in my mind, if a company looks at me fighting racial discrimination as bad, fuck your company. I don't want to work for you. Fuck it. If you, if you can sit there as an employer and be like, oh no, this guy's fighting racial discrimination against this big ass company. We don't want you. I don't want you to kiss my ass, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and that's my mentality. Is it the best mentality? Probably not because this, this, these kids got to eat. But if I'm in a company that thinks that like that, it's going to show eventually, right? And then I'm going to be back at square one, either fighting discrimination or quitting because I just can't, I just can't deal with it. So yeah, I've, I've worried about that. My biggest worry though is my business. I'm launching a business here. I was supposed to launch it end of last month. We got to push back a couple of months, but that's my biggest worry is how this is going to reflect negatively on my business. My business, besides you know the safety aspect of whatever um, I'm doing, is being truly authentic, being true to yourself, right? And if the founder can't do that, if the person who owns the business can't do that, how can I expect my business to do that, right? So if my business gets impacted negatively from this, it's going to suck. But at least myself, I can sleep at night knowing that, hey, I did the right thing. I didn't sacrifice morals for you know, money, for profit. So... I have serious admiration for you. I mean, I don't know many people who have really gone up against a behemoth or that are truly willing to be authentic to that degree. Mm -hmm. It's it's scary. And I was making the most money between my wife and I, so it was kind of scary. Like, damn, what are we going to do? We, were we had savings. We were going to move to Texas here in a couple of years. I had to pull all that money out because we, we need it. So now I'm like, okay, if I pull it out now, how am I going to make that money back before we move to, to Texas? It's just all, it's all types of crazy stuff going on. My mental health is shot to this going downhill ever since then. What is that like? When you say your mental health is shot, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Lack of motivation for anything that doesn't have to do with <laughs> Lululemon, my business, or my family. If it doesn't have to do with them three things, I'm not, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go out to parties. I don't want to go to club. I don't want to 
get out of bed. I don't have shit to do. That's kind of how it is. I don't even want to do therapy. I started therapy, had like five sessions. The guy's amazing, but I don't want to do it. Why? Because I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you about my shit. I want to talk to you about how we can whoop blue lemon's ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that kind of thing. I've never been to therapy before. I always knew I needed it. I just didn't trust therapists because I thought they were there for the money. So wifey and I just kind of talked about it and said, hey, you should probably do this because I was just going downhill. I was, yeah, I was going downhill. Yeah, I, I am really curious too about those other two suicide attempts. Oh yeah. I cannot believe like you had the safety on the first time. I mean, that to me would be like, I was just reading a book over the weekend, right? This is really crazy. It's by Rabbi Levy Welton. There is an example in the book where this guy was literally going to commit suicide. He had the rope. He was going to go to his childhood playground where he had his last happy memory and he was going to hang himself there. And then he thought about kids might find him. So he was like, okay, I don't want to do it there. So then he just went walking he was looking for the tree. He was looking for another tree and he found one. It looked like the place that he was going to do it. And he saw a house behind the tree with its lights on and windows open. And they were singing a Shabbos song on a Friday night. Do like Jesus, hold on. That Monday, he went to the local Chabad and decided that he wanted to convert to Judaism. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting there like, describing all of this and the street and the time turns out it was that rabbi's house what yeah so wow. this rabbi ends up becoming Jeez. like a mentor to him the officiator of his wedding i mean it's such wow. an incredible story yeah so that was, that was similar to my third not similar but kind of my third one but the second one my dumbass took like a whole 20 something pills of advil thinking it was going to do something all i did was puke my guts out had a Ugh. badass stomach ache and i lost like three hours of my time so that was kind of that was kind of stupid of me because that hurt a lot <laughs> and i had to clean puke and it was nasty all over myself that was oh. that was my sophomore year of high school yeah sophomore year because my brother was a senior so that was the second attempt not i can't even remember why i think i had some type of issue with my dad or something that day i don't remember why but my third attempt, that shit crazy. So my third attempt, I was having trouble with my uh, my son's mom at the time. I don't want to, I'm not going to talk smack about her because she's an amazing person, but I was having trouble at the time. One night I had an issue and I'm um, just like, you know what? This ain't worth it. You know, I'm trying to be a good dad. She was trying to block me from being a good dad, yada, yada, yada. And then, so my parents were out of town. I was visiting, was I living? I was in California. So I was visiting my parents' house, my parents, my, you know, visiting. At night, something happened. Went to my my parents' house. My sister was awake. Had to go back to her room. She's five years younger than me. Sat in my one of my parents' cars in their garage with the garage closed, listening to some music. Sleep back, like you know what, this is gonna be the best way to go. I'm not gonna feel it, whatever. So I'm laying there, and laying there, seat bags, whatever, smoking, and uh, I heard my voice. You know how you can you hear yourself. I'm like, no, of course, you know, like a podcast or whatever. It just doesn't sound like what you hear in your head. So I heard somebody say my voice, get out. Your son needs you. And I'm like, nah, I'm probably still drunk or I'm high or something. I'm tripping. Like, nah, this ain't right. And I heard my my voice again, louder saying, get out. Your son needs you. So I set my ass up and I'm not religious, right? But I believe in God and whatnot. I set up. I'm like, nah, that's my sign for me to go. I'm gone. <laughs> ain't, ain't no motherfucker going to raise my son besides me. And that was the last time I've ever thought about suicide. I've ever attempted it because I know that if I go out, especially now, somebody going to raise my daughter. Hell no. Who else is going to beat up my daughter's boyfriend when, you, when she gets older besides me? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So that was my last time. I had a whole like bye message sent to my family and all that shit. It was so stupid. I wouldn't say it was stupid because it was my feelings were real and valid at the time, but it's not, you know, it's not worth it. You know, not worth the, the grieving that my family would have had and my my son growing out without me and he was only two, I think, at the time. So just looking back at it every year, like on his birthday, I just kind of like just cry. Like, damn, like all that shit that I went through leading up to this moment is just, I will go through it again on times. Isn't it crazy what becoming a parent does to you? Yeah, it's so, yeah, yep, I, yeah. 22 years old, I became a dad. Was not ready, did not want to be a dad, but I was excited for it. Because, you know, growing up, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And my dad didn't do it. I'm going to do that. And my dad didn't do it. And I'm trying to be that way, but I still see the, like glimpse of my dad in me, which is not really the bad parts, but like good parts of my dad in me. So I'm thinking, damn, my dad really wasn't as bad as I thought. But when I was younger, it just felt like it was a, just too too tough, you know? Yeah. What were some of the things that you didn't want to be like? He was slow. He was um, fast to get upset. He worked a lot, right? So like his, he always said, I don't have time to lecture you and to blah, blah, because he only has, you know, X amount of time. So he would just whoop and get it over with. And I'm like, this, these whoopers ain't doing shit, but getting me more upset. Like, it ain't teaching me no lesson. Like, I'm not learning, hey, don't do this unless you get a whooping. Because after that, I'm like, you don't really feel the pain. You just kind of like, oh, it is what it is, right? I mean, that's another thing I think I learned from growing up. I can tolerate pain a lot. But he, you know, he was very quick to anger, very slow to apologize. He's never open to communicate anything, never listened to me as to why I did something, why I didn't do something, because either his way or no way. But I was, no, yeah. I feel like that was their generation, though. How did you become such a good communicator? Because I hated not being able to communicate. Interesting. I hated not being able to talk to anybody. I, I needed somebody to talk to. In high school, I didn't have nobody. Even college, I didn't have anybody. I didn't have anybody until I met my wife, actually. Tell me about meeting her. Oh, man. That motherfucker is a godsend, man. She is, man, she, this woman, she from New Orleans, right? She, she grew up in New Orleans, born in New York, and then she came up to Minnesota, where I live right now. Quick story. I, would, I had just moved back to Minnesota from Texas after a very short and stupid marriage. If you ever listen to this, ex-wife, fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to it. No, so I, I had moved back up here because my mental health was declining. I realized that I living in Houston. I was paying double rent in Houston and Minnesota because I planned on moving back to Houston. So when I was in Minnesota, I didn't have a job. So I started donating plasma. One day, my headphones just wasn't working. So I was listening to everything. And the bottom is to net right of me, Asked was new and asked one of the patients, like, hey, what's a good brunch spot? They said, he said, the egg and I. And the egg and I was a huge brunch spot in, in Houston that I always went to probably about every other Sunday. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, shit, they have the egg and I up here? You know, Minnesota's, you know, coming up. I'm excited. You know, I hadn't been in Minnesota for five years in terms of living. I was only talking to my wife on Bumble. And it was the worst, driest. We were talking about shit. It was so dry. But I hit her up. like, man, I ain't trying to go to egg and I by myself. So I hit her up. like, hey, you trying to go to Egg and I this weekend? It was probably like on a Monday or Tuesday. She said, sure. I said, cool, bet. We didn't talk the rest of the week. And then the day before, I texted her, hey, are we still on for tomorrow? She said, yeah. Well, okay, either she's really crazy, really wonderful, or really stupid. <laughs> so, because how are you going to say yes to a date when we had no good conversation? I, you know, anyway. So, so I was there. I met her. I was to the Egg and I before her. And I see her walking. And I'm like, man, please, please let this be her. Let this be her. So... She's walking and she gets close. I'm like, oh, this is her. Like, she's absolutely beautiful. Right. So we sat down and we had a, a great conversation. And she hit me with the line that she's a ethic, she's a serial monogamist. I had never heard that term before. But all my other, you know, wives, my ex-wife and my girlfriend, they cheat on me, whatever it happens. 
when she said that, I'm like, wait a minute, huh? You're a serial monogamist? So I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. She was beautiful. And then a couple to the right of us was like, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to tell you guys, you guys are just, you guys are a very beautiful couple, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, you know what? We really could be a beautiful couple. So I didn't know this at the time, but when we had time to pay, I had a little attitude because I said, I got it. And she knew I had just moved. She said, no, I can get it. I'm like, no, no, look, either I get it or you get it. I'm not going to play this back and forth game. That's how it was. And she was kind of thrown off by that. But after the date, after the brunch, went outside, talked by her car for about another 10 minutes. And it was cold as shit outside, probably November. I hate the cold. So when I was talking, when I realized that like, I spent 15 minutes willingly outside to talk, I'm like, oh, yeah, she got something going on. So, you know, fast forward a couple of months, we started dating officially, and she puts me in my place when I need to be. She listens to me. She talks to me. She checks me. She, you know, absolutely wonderful. My you know, my son, she embraced my son. I don't know where I'd be without her. Honestly, I don't know where I'd be. She knows, like, hey, if you're going to do this shit, be prepared for this to happen. If you're okay with that, I got your back. That kind of thing, you know. Wow. I love like how lit up you get even just talking about her and what you said too are like really beautiful things. Yeah. Don't tell her that. She's going to hear this, but <laughs> yeah, she don't like me to talk. She don't really like me talking about her or anything, whether it's good or bad, but I don't have anything bad to say. I do have one thing bad to say. I do have one thing, one thing bad to say. How the hell is somebody who grew up in New Orleans okay with this cold? I don't understand. I don't understand. You grew up in New Orleans and you're okay with how cold it is every day? Every, every winter time? No, I can't do that. <laughs> I just moved to Houston, so. Oh, what part? Houston, I mean, you don't have to say it, but Houston is dope. Ireland. I'm in Ireland. Where the hell is that? Near Bel Air. Oh, it is. Okay. I live on the west side by, uh, by, by Katie. I about two blocks. Okay, I have some family there. Yeah, and I and I love this. She don't really like Houston like that, so we're looking into we're moving to Frisco. Um, hopefully, by you know everything works out, we'll be moving to Frisco within two years. So that's the game plan. Because I can't. It's cold shit every year. I can't do it. Okay, let's talk about what you have cooking with your new company. Tell Ooh. me about the dream. So my company, Safe Free So, I semi launched it. Well, I didn't launch it back in 2017. No, 19. Excuse me. And it was going okay, but then the pandemic hit and everything just kind of stopped, right? So I kind of took it down and we're relaunching it here. It was supposed to be ended last month, but it's going to be probably early November. Basically, Safe Resell is an um, online marketplace similar to Facebook and you know Craigslist and all that. But we use a cashless prepayment system, so you don't have to worry about your cash being robbed from you or somebody trying to rob you from your PS5 or whatever the case may be. Cash back, if you don't want to buy it, you get the money back, no no fees or anything like that. Came up with that concept after I was robbed in Houston. <laughs> I'm trying to sell my phone. It's called, I just need more money. And I try to sell my phone and oh, do rob me. Just like, oh shit, nah, that sucked. And I don't I don't like to tell the police or go to the police unless it's like a serious issue. And I'm like, uh, two black guys, a $300 phone, they ain't going to sacrifice the resources to figure this shit out. Let me just keep pushing but I was so upset that it happened to me. I started thinking about like, hey, how can I prevent this from happening again? But that was the main idea. It's like, okay, if he would have paid for this shit beforehand, take the damn phone. I don't care. Go ahead and take it, you know? Or they wouldn't do it because there's no benefit to them. So I kind of started, you know, researching and, and looking it up and talking to people. And then I got forced, had to be back up here. And I'm like, fuck it, let me just launch it. So I went ahead and launched it. It was going, again, it was going decently good until the pandemic. But now, no, we're relaunching it. I have a co-founder, a technical co-founder, who's absolutely fantastic. And I want to make sure that we are the safest platform when it comes to buying and selling locally. So that was kind of my goal. Besides that, the brand itself, I want it to be an upbeat, safe, 
a true, true you, what we call it, true you brand. So plug, let me plug it up. Hold on, let me plug this up real quick. That's the logo. And I made this logo because I'm also a big superhero fan. In high school, my nickname was Superman. So I kind of wanted to mimic that and kind of like bring my own personality to the company. So that's kind of how, how it goes. How did you get the goes. nickname Superman? I love superheroes, right? And I was decently good on the football field and track. So I guess it kind of stuck one one. I think it was either practice or or scrimmage. They were just calling me Superman. I was flying around the field doing dumb, not dumb shit, but flying around the field, hitting everybody. So I think the sophomore year, they called me Superman and I just stuck with it. So I started going by Superman. How did you end up in jail? Another crazy thing. So I was broke freshman year in college and I worked at Best Buy Security. I'm not, I'm low-key proud of it because they're very, very smart. Just put my intelligence in a stupid way. I was the um, person who's supposed to stop me from stealing. And I knew that there was a sensors going in didn't work but the ones going out worked there's all people going out the end door because they don't really get any signs saying hey this is out this is in so i kind of recruited people like hey bro come take whatever you want from best buy but give me a little bit of it you know give me this this and that while you take your shit so i had like 11 motherfuckers who would fill carts up probably every other day just walk out and yeah so we got caught awesome dumb shit too i was 19 19 yeah 19 almost 19 how did you get caught oh my uh He's still my friend, so I don't want to talk shit, but if you listen, you know who you are. You did some dumb shit. He walked in with his last name on his sweatshirt from, like, high school, right? We had a sign. I forgot if he was, like, scratching my head, you're good, or whatever, that you're good to go. So I did the little sign that he was good to go. But then he stopped because there were a lot of people walking in. So he stopped to let him in. And one of the people that were walking in was my manager. And usually when you when you leave with, like, carts full of stuff, you have to check the receipt or whatever. So he left. And my manager peeped that I didn't look at the receipts from it, right? So she comes up to me the other, like, a couple minutes later, and she's like, hey, that guy that had blah, 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 did you check the receipt? I'm like, oh, yeah, I checked it. You know, my dumbass forgot there's a camera right here <laughs> looking at me, right? So she went back to the camera. She said that I didn't look at it. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you meant somebody else. But I'm trying to still get out of it. So she saw the name, last name. She looked at the college that was I was going to and saw that either she saw or she talked to somebody that said that that guy was my roommate. I was like, oh, fuck. So I was, I was driving back to the city, to Minneapolis to visit. And he called me. He's like, yeah, the cops are here. What do you mean the cops are here? Yeah, they're, they're in the apartment. We have like 15 PS3s in the fucking house, in the apartment. And a $500 Dyson ball, whatever it cost, right? I don't know. When the Dyson ball first came out, it was real expensive. I'm like, why'd you let him in? He's like, well, they're the cops. You motherfucker. Oh, my God. So he's like, hey, he wants to talk to you. Why do you want to talk to me? Why am I involved? Why am I in this? So anyway, long story short, that was the end to, <laughs> to that little scheme. Oh my got, God. How long did you go to jail for? It, it was like nine months. But the worst part was we were all on the football team. Well, mo- most of us, right? So it was like news in that little city. Got back to my high school. Motherfuckers in my high school was talking shit. So I always knew he was going to go to jail and just other shit like that. My dad was just being a, I can't say what he was. But yeah, he was not a nice person during that time. They Yeah, they treated me like I was some type of murderer or something. And that's when I was just, I started hating it. I got kicked out of my church that I was going to. That's when I decided I don't like church. I do not like church. I hate going to church. I hate going to church. I'm religious. I'm not religious. I believe it. I'm a believer, but I hate going to church. So the church kicked me out. Mom, my dad would be a not nice person. My mom was out of the country. News reported were literally at, outside my apartment. So every time I walked out, they big ass cameras asked me a question with the little reporter. My, just like, what the fuck is this? People was, and then the cops were telling the people who was with, that I was saying shit that was not true, like that was snitching on them. I'm like, fam, I'm telling you exactly what the fuck I said. I'm not lying to you. But if you don't say what the fuck you're supposed to say, we all fuck. <laughs> you know, we all screwed. 
And nobody really believed that I was saying it. They tried to jump these two, three linemen, try to jump me in the club one day because they thought I was snitched. And I had, I had a knife on me. I'm like, look, if, if one of y'all hit me, all three of y'all get stabbed. Right. And that, that, that's what it's going to be. So, what, what y'all want to do? I didn't get jumped that day. So, long story short, I got the most. I got nine, nine months. I think the second most was four months. And then, yeah, and then they got like another one month or whatever. And the only people who didn't snitch on me are three, like three of people. And they're still my friends to this day. Everybody else snitched. Wow. I'm not proud per se, but I am kind of proud. Like, look, a little 19 year old just took five hundred thousand worth of your shit, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Y'all got to do better. So I can't go to any Best Buys anymore for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. You probably could. I probably could. Probably, I, I mean, I have gotten inside. I don't know why, but I have just to see what it's like. But but I've always told myself if I ever become rich enough, because the store, and I don't blame the store, but my dumbass thinking, if I ever have enough money to buy shit at Best Buy, like a bunch of shit, I'm going to buy it and then return it just to show y'all I made it. Like, you know what I mean? I have no no animosity towards anybody that that I happened to. It was stupid. I was 19. I'm 32 now. And I learned a lot from it. And I, I would do it absolutely 100% again. I had to. Again, like you admitting to this and sharing this is so brave. Like there are so many people that have stuff expunged off their record, me included, that would not feel comfortable like sharing all of my shenanigans. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that I did that is unknown to people. So I'm not going to obviously disclose that those things, like I've been in probably over hundred street fights in my life. Right. But this Best Buy thing, it was, it's, you can Google it and get find me and whatever like that. And I don't shy from it because it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. It taught me so much what I went through, how he's doing. I can be another stepping stone, how I didn't think to turn it, turn to suicide at that time and all this other shit. So it was, I'm not, again, I'm not proud of it, but I, I would do it. I'll do it again. I think you have a TED talk in you. I can't speak to nobody. First of all, I cuss too much. If, if the whole crowd is that Gary V individual, I don't think they're going to vibe with me <laughs> because I cuss a lot. You could uh, do it. You, you could control so? it. I think you could. Uh, also, I mean, obviously, like a lot of workplaces check your background. I mean, do you have to admit to that on applications? Yeah, it's not a felony anymore. It's a misdemeanor. I had to complete probation payback restitution and it got dropped into a misdemeanor so it's not it's not affecting anything now after three years after the fact it was fucking everything up. i couldn't get a place to live i couldn't get a good job it was just very terrible the, the three years after i got out of jail but ever since then it hasn't really affected anything <laughs> also what was jail like did you get any rude awakenings there or what did you take from that again i was probably one of the youngest ones there and i love fighting i've been fighting so Getting fights wasn't didn't worry me, but what happened was I forget what it's called. You go to a pod before they classify you to go to your final pod, like your final room, I guess you could call it. So I was in the pod with like people who were delinquent on child support. I was in there with somebody who was a murderer or child with murder or some shit like that. And it really, I didn't feel uncomfortable, unsafe, or nothing like that. The only time that I'm like, okay, I gotta make sure my fuckers don't fuck with me is when this dude from California, we was watching Law and Order or criminal minds and he didn't like that he liked watching a criminal show where we in jail he's like we gonna watch this shit we'll do what he walked up changed the fucking channel and probably like my second month then and he walked back sat down and we like six seven people white like we want to watch this shit and i'm looking around nobody said nothing and this dude probably like 40 years old talking about you know he a, he a gang member from chicken from uh, california or two i'm like man i don't give a fuck who you are i went back up there i looked at him looked, went like this changed that motherfucker right back and walked away 
he came out like, who the fuck you think? You know, again, all hoppy and puppy. He changed it back. I said, okay. He sat back down. He said, if you touch that motherfucker again, we're going to have some issue. I'm like, okay, cool, bet. So he sat down. I'm like, this is going to be fucking fun. I'm, I'm getting excited. Bobby going to fight. So I, I walked back up there. I and I stood, I chained that shit right over there. I stood right there. And he walked up before he even said nothing. Hit him, dropped, and I was in fucking um, was solitary or whatever for 23, 23 hours. And then another time, we was uh, sitting down. Another fight I had, we were sitting down eating lunch. And lunch, the food was disgusting. It was absolutely nasty. But they had a bun. This one bun that they had was fire. It was it was fire. So we only got it like maybe once a week. So I, I set my tray down, and I was talking. I was turning this way. I was talking. I looked back to eat my bun, and the motherfucker was gone. And it was me, somebody here to the left, somebody here to the right, and nobody in front of me. So the only, only person that can take my shit is the guy to my left, right? So I look over, and he's eating a bun. And then the dumbass started to bun his tray. I'm like, hey, bro, get my bun back. I, 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 I'm about to fight you first. So I'm I'm promising you, we're about to fight over this bun. <laughs> we're about to fight over this bun. Yo, give my fuck, give me that bun. Like, no, I ain't take your bun. This is my homie. You know, he's talking about you got it. Somebody got it. I said, bro, I'm not trying to do this. Give my bun. He didn't give my bun. So I took the tray full of food, right, and smacked him with the food, facing him in the face with it. And then the CEO pulled me off, and I got another 23 hours or whatever fucking confinement. But then other than that, it was fine. We played spades, and I learned how to play some card games. And I was, you know, robbing people of their money by cheating in spades. Not cool. It was definitely not cool to go to jail. It's not cool to go to jail. But you do learn a lot of lessons. Yeah, I mean, how do you think you would react to that if one of your kids ended up doing that? I thought about this, and I'm hoping that how I raise them, they know, like, hey, whatever you do and you okay with the consequences, then you do it, that's on you. But make sure you think through the consequences first. I think I, my wife and I talked about this. If one of our kids ever go to jail, we're going to let them sit there for a little bit before minding them out. And then we're going to obviously give them the best attorney possible. But we ain't finna bend backwards for them. Right? We ain't finna bend over backwards. We got to do X, Y, Z. You sell a house or put a house on a lien or whatever to get the money. We ain't finna do all that. Do you think prison or jail or being punished like that actually works? Not for me. Not for me. I think it works for some people. The dumbest thing that I've seen when I was in jail is people that were in jail for not paying child support. That blew my fucking mind. And on top of that, they're still obligated to pay it for the time they're in jail. That made no damn sense, you know? And I made no damn sense. And I was behind my child support when I first got on it because they did back pay right away. I When I got child, child support, my son was almost two and they did back pay. So it was basically two years of child support plus interest added on right away. So I was behind like eight grand right away. And these idiots, right? They would take my money. They'll first take my taxes, which is fine. But one summer, and I had my son every summer, they drained my bank account. I'm like, hold on, pause. And I called him, like, why do you do this? Oh, it's for the, you know, for the interest of the kid, blah, blah. Hey, motherfuckers, he's with me right now. Okay. He literally is right next to my taco, you know, on taco, right? And at that time, I didn't have a return ticket back. So I, they lit, they cleaned me out. They gave me like $5 in my account. I had no money. They took it like $1,300. Oh, I was furious. Yeah, whole child support system is another story, but that's just crazy. Okay, so from <laughs> being locked up and then, you know, those three years of like not being able to get a job, what did you do in that time to turn yourself around? I cleaned carpets and joined MMA. Interesting. MMA is cool. That was probably good for your mental health. I loved it, man. I loved it. It was so fun to me. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now tell me about going back to school and really sticking with that and making it through a master's degree. I mean, that's amazing. I think school is a big waste of time money. If you're not going for like a uh, to be a doctor or dentist or whatever, undergrad degrees are a waste of time. I'm t- whoever listened to this, if you just want to stick to your undergrad, 
and you don't need your undergrad to go into profession, don't fucking do it. I have $98,000 worth of debt. I'm not using any of my degrees. I'm using the knowledge I have, but not the piece of paper, right? And I argue with my, my pops a lot about this because he wanted a degree. I'm like, why? What, what is the purpose of a degree? My degree was in exercise science. What the hell am I going to do with that, right? Unless I'm going further to get you know, certification and whatnot. I didn't have plans for doing that. It's like, what the fuck's the point going to, to get this degree, right? And I only went back because I knew I was going to get my MBA. If I wasn't going to get my MBA, I would not have went to finish my undergrad degree. And it was all online. Thank goodness. Shout out Concordia St. Paul. All online. And Evan, he was my um, advisor at the time. He challenged me. Like, I was like, I can't pay for this. I can't do this. Blah, blah, blah. And he challenged me for me to complete it. And that's what really made me like, okay, if this dude that don't know me thinks I can do this shit, let me just go ahead and do it. But yeah, so I stole $98,000 of student loans. <laughs> hey, maybe you can get some forgiveness now. I think they got that going on. I man, I'm trying to hold off as long as possible. You see what other things that this administration can do. Just cancel all of it. <laughs> just, I'll, just cancel. I'll get, hey, I'll get my degree back. I don't even want it no more. <laughs> we get a refund. But all you'd be too rich to even care about it, one of the two. So why didn't you just stop with the bachelor's? I wouldn't have done my bachelor's if I was going to stop there. Got my bachelor's in exercise science. I could have gotten a job without a degree for the same amount of money. You know, I think at the time, the starting pay for that degree was like 45000 I'm just like, ah. I was making that. We have to re- I just started being a recruiter at that time. I was making that as a recruiter. Like, why the hell would I go back to get all this debt to make the same amount of money I'm making right now, right? But then I realized I don't want to work for somebody the rest of my life. Like, I don't like work. And I, I hate being told what to do. Like I mentioned earlier, I hate being told what to do. So I don't want to work for somebody. So what's the fastest way to get me to where I want to be, which is work for myself, when it has to do with school, which is getting an MBA. So I'm like, fuck, I'm just getting my MBA. So I got my bachelor's and my MBA through Concordia. All right. You got a question for my dad, and this is a sensitive topic. Yes. So backstory on this question. So my wife and I were talking, we were watching some type of TV show, Lifetime, and we were talking about how, God forbid, one of our kids were in an abusive relationship, physically abusive relationship. How would each of us handle it? And she's a sweetheart. She is a sweetheart, except when you cross her, then her New Orleans comes out. But that's another story. So I was talking like, man, growing again, me, love fighting, not really scared about anybody, whatever. I'm thinking I'm about to handle it. Like, I know how to handle it. I'm going to go over there, deal with it, and pull my son and daughter out of it, right? And she's like, well, then what if you go to jail and then we left, you know, left us, like us to fend for ourselves? And, or what if you accidentally kill the person while you're going to jail from that? And I was like, damn, you're right. And then I was like, so how would you deal with it? Oh, I'd support him or her. And, you know, you give all the resources and just be there for her. I just, I, I cannot see hypothetically, if my daughter's getting physically abused, but she stayed in a relationship, I can't just, I can't sit back. And I, I'm not going, like, well, how am I going to get her out of that relationship? Right? How am I what if get she her? has kids with the person? That, oh, I'm going to have to, yeah, something going to have to happen. Especially my kids, if her kids, my grandkids see that, um, I, I might just say, fuck it, and just kind of go over there and, and see what's going on. Things get complicated. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. That's. Have I mean, you ever no. had friends in that situation or family in that situation? Not really. After the fact, one of my relatives told me, and but she promised me not to do anything after she told me. And it was more so uh, verbal abuse, not really physical abuse. It was verbal and emotional. So not really anything physical. I don't know. I don't know how to handle it. I do not know how I'd handle it because I somebody is better off doing something to me either verbally, physically, than to my friend and family. Right. If you cuss me out, I'm less likely to slap the shadow you than if you cuss my wife out, you know, or if you cuss my kids out. I can give them a warning, like, hey, bro, I can probably kill you right now if I want to. <laughs> but if my wife, my wife, if you cuss my wife out, I ain't even going to ask the question. 
no, I ain't going to ask what, what she did. I'm going to slap the shadow of you first. And I'm going to talk to my wife. Hey, why did I slap this person? <laughs> you know, that's who I am. So back to the de- your dad, I want to know how he'd handle this. How would he handle, hypothetically, I'm, I hope he never had to handle this. But I think he's going to avoid the question is my guess. But really? I am interested to hear how he is going to respond to this. I mean, it's a tough thing. So crazy. Yeah. It's really complicated. Like, like you what? think that you would just beat their ass, but yeah. it's it's actually more complicated than that. And those pieces of papers are what those, uh, what is it called? The, what is it? The stay away papers? I can't remember what it's called. Those oh, yeah. Restraining order. Give me yes, a break. They're broken yeah. daily. Yeah, they don't do, they don't fucking do nothing. So even with that, I mean, restra- when I was bullied in high school, I wanted to get a restraining order. Yeah. I wouldn't have done anything. Nothing. Not one thing. The only way to handle bullies to bully them. That's my. Or to switch schools, which is what I did. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, I'm teaching my kid, bro. Just the the My dad wanted me to fight too. I was scared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What what do you do there? What if you have a kid that is being completely picked on at school? I I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to find out where the fuck the kid lives. I'm going to go to the kid's house. I'm going to tell the parents, hey, your kid is bullying my kid. I get one strike. This is your opportunity. To make sure your kid stops handling, not bullying my kid. If that happens again, I'm going to come back here and I can't hit your kid, but I sure as shit can slap the fuck out of you. And I'm telling you, I'm going to come back and slap Shelly if you, if you don't stop my kid. You know, stop your kid bullying my kid. And I'm also teaching my son right now how to fight. He don't like fighting. He hates fighting, but I'm trying to teach him. Hey, look, just punch him one time hard as you can without any warning. I promise you he'll stop bullying you. But if you do not do that, he will continue to bully you. And if you do, you have permission from me to do that shit. And if you get suspended or in trouble at school, just say, good, I'm going to hang out with my dad all day because I will not kill you. If you, I told, if you, if you end the fight and you don't start it, you, that's ice cream day for me. Shit, let's go to Cold Stone, you know? So, yeah, I think if my kids don't want to fight the bully, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go to the parents. My house. dad will agree with you there. He definitely <laughs> yeah. will agree with you there. So he really tried to encourage me to stick up for myself and I couldn't do it. I can't wrap my, my mind around that. Because of course I, I didn't care. I punched somebody in the face no matter what. My wife is the same way. She's been in one fight in fifth grade and she never fought anybody again. And I'm like, you've never fought anybody since fifth grade. I was a runner. <laughs> I couldn't imagine that. I'm like, oh hell no, I couldn't imagine that. But it makes sense. But anyway, back to your dad. So I think your dad. I hope your dad answered that. I want to know his honest opinion because I, I am interested to hear he how he's going to respond to that question. It is a very tough question. And maybe not necessarily what two answers. What he would do. And what he thinks should happen. Can I think and those that, can be different answers? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause what I what I would do, what I think I would do would go confront the person. But would I actually do that? That's the right thing to do? Probably not. But that's the way I know how to do things, you know. And as a believer and a business owner, I hope I don't ever have to do that. But my kids come first, my family comes first. If I have to tackle business or whatever, I don't care. I'm gonna punch you guy in the face. <laughs> you know. I love that. I actually love the two versions of that because they can be different questions. I think that's great. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share? I wanted, I see, I don't want to just plug things up on your podcast, but I also want for a little, just, I don't know if you you and I, but I want to start some type of organization that people can come and share their experience about their discrimination, right? I know that works out there and whatnot, but I don't know how to start it. I don't think I'm there yet in terms of the planning stage to to speak about it, but I do want to know I do want to share with your with your listeners or and viewers, if they have experienced something with discrimination, to reach out to me. You know, I want to, I'm thinking about starting this. Reach out to me. Either we start a podcast about this situation, or we start an organization, or it could be an anonymous or whatever the case would be. I just want to get people to share their story. I'm not the only one out there. I know for 100 percent fact, I'm not the only one out there. And I know people of color 
generally don't speak out because they're worried about being terminated. That's all they have now in terms of the money. So I don't know how to really say that in the podcast. So. <laughs> so how can they how can they reach out to you? What's the best way to connect with you? Oh, the best way to reach out to me is through email, T-I-M-I-O-G-U-N-D-I-P-E-5 at gmail.com. In the subject, put anything about discrimination on there because I get a lot of emails from not unsubscribing. So please reach out to me that way and just let me know what your experience is. And we can really talk about how we're going to put everything together. We are stronger together than we realize. And I hope that people will open up and share. And if you want to be anonymous, go ahead and we can be anonymous. If you want to put your name out there, let people know you're not wanting to be fucked with, please do so as well. So I think that's going to be it. Thank you again for having me again. Thank you for opening up to me. Of course. We'll speak, You're the best. speak soon. Be Take well. care. Bye. Bye. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. Timmy, you're a very brave man to be able to be so revealing of your experiences and the things that you've had to overcome. And the funny part is, is that discrimination is a very uh, tricky issue. Also, abuse in your question, as you know, I've actually experienced some of that with my daughters. And I've experienced people bullying, even, uh, you know, being Jewish is not being black. I'm sure there's a difference. But believe me, I've got to do many fights defending myself and defending people that were not as strong as me and where I fought a lot of other people's battles. Even my father used to fight the battles of his older brother, just was not an athlete uh, like my father. And of course, I played sports and worked out where I was also a very powerful uh, man and a young man where I could go toe-to-toe with anybody. But the funny part is, is that as time goes on, winning the battle physically or yelling or emotionally sounds like the right thing to do when somebody wants you to step into the street with them. But the way to really win the game of life is to outwit them and play the right chess moves and bring out all the moves. Because if you want to really get your point or your movement of communication that you have elevated to and add a little taste of spice or wisdom to it, you'll see that that will be a lot more effective when you are confronting a problem or an issue and you want to have accreditation for your your podcast where you want to help others that are experiencing discrimination or abuse, you have to be able to present arguments with smarts and be witty and convincing based on good logic, not by demonstrating or being forceful or being ostentatious or just showing an air of of bravado, even though uh, it's certainly people in prison aren't going to necessarily rationalize with you. Sometimes it's a it's a, a move of power. Same thing. You can be a very gentle country and accept plenty of people, but that doesn't stop a totalitarian government from taking over your country and whooping you and throwing your ideals right into the toilet and telling you you're going to do it this way because we've just kicked your ass. So the truth of the matter is, is that it depends on what level you're talking about. We still have to be able at all times. And I think uh, Rena already told you this. I'm a firm believer. You have to also be able to defend yourself and be able to have the resources to be able to defend your country, defend your family, defend your home. And yet at the same time, we want to be able to figure out a way, if we can, to some type of peaceful resolution to our issues. Because the fighting and the fighting and the fighting, at the end of the day, doesn't really get you anywhere. And it's the same thing that you mentioned, even with getting a degree, it's just a piece of paper. It's the knowledge. It's learning how to learn. It's the experiences of really refining 
those experiences through going to college and getting your degree and getting your MBA that have made you a masterful communicator. So you don't have to necessarily be an expert with your education that you got in college. What you learned in college was learned how to apply yourself. You learned how to overcome and be able to adapt to learning all new areas. And, and I guess, like I said, when it comes to discrimination, it's a very difficult subject because a lot of times people are prejudiced, not because you're black or you're Jewish or you're Chinese. Sometimes they just don't like the confidence that you have, the abilities that you show. And sometimes people attack other people for no other reason other than they are jealous of what you're trying to accomplish. I, I know that sounds pretty silly sometimes, but sometimes it's just that simple where a person shows that they can stand up and take it and pivot and, and be able to communicate and, and, and have a following and other people don't like it. And of course, even though we have a legal system that I have a lot of critiques about, it's still probably still where it's better to use your resources of making a legal argument than going over and punching somebody in the face, even though it's very tempting. <laughs> I wonder if your answer is different now than it would have been in your younger years. In my younger years, as you already know, I've gotten into many fights. And if somebody challenged me or my friends or my family, I beat the shit out of them. Okay. Sometimes we're still archaic where those means still are being used today, where it's easy to get shot and killed over an argument very easily, where it's just as dangerous today as it was when I grew up. The fact is, is that you're still better off figuring out a way to avoid possibility of a confrontation like that by coming up with a different solution. But when you're young and you're, uh, like I said, have a, a sense of bravado and where you also want to stick out your chest, it only can, it can possibly be disastrous. And the funny part is, is that there's some people that are mud wrestlers out there and you can't logically talk to them. The only thing they understand is a forceful response. But the fact is, is that I, I think I've even told you this story. There was a kid that was bragging about what a track star he was and that he was even a possibility of going to the Olympics. And I says, I says, you're smoking two or three packs a day. I says, you couldn't run around up and down this street, which would be, would be a mile and beat me. And I'm slow. We went out there on the street and I think he was 500 yards ahead of me after the first, the first minute, you know? And of course, that prediction that he couldn't run a mile as fast as he could anymore, because why? Because smoking all those cigarettes, he was out of breath and he started choking and vomiting. And I finished the race like the turtle and the rabbit and ended up beating him by 500 yards, even though he was 500 yards ahead of me to start off. So you'd say, well, he learned his lesson right? No, he didn't. I just showed off in front of all the men. He comes up and challenges me. He says, the only reason why I kept this job for three more months, because I wanted to quit after that, was that I'm, I want a rematch with you. I says, what are you talking about? I know how fast you are. You stopped smoking. You probably would win now. But the argument that I had made was that you can't beat me if you're smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. That's not what, how he looked at it. He looked at it that I embarrassed him in front of all of his workers after work and wanted to get back with me. He doesn't understand the logic that the argument that I had made. It just looked like the very simple truth is, is that a, he got beat by the boss. He was going to do whatever was necessary to 
get his act cleaned up so he could win the, uh, the re- uh, get a reprieve by winning the next race. He didn't give a shit what I was preaching. And isn't that really also part of life also, is that a lot of times people don't really give a shit about whatever somebody's culture or philosophy is. It's just where they're interested in themselves and achieving the bottom line of their own interpretation. In order to present an argument, you have to be able to give examples and present yourself coolly and calmly and without necessarily the physical challenge. Okay, but I do want to give him some props because speaking up for yourself takes guts. It sure does, especially when you are in the minority point of view. If you know that because your dad sometimes is outspoken on issues where I don't go along with the majority. And the funny part is, is that once in a while, I get a a redemption of my own because they listen to the things that I said and implement them after their methods fail. Okay. But the irony is, is that they take the credit like they thought of it. They still never will admit that they were wrong and that they just figured it out, even though suggestion was made by me one or two years earlier. So there's a lot of people out there. And isn't that the issue also of some of these people that hold office, whether it's in our country or even a synagogue or a church where you have a power play where it doesn't matter, even if you have a good idea, unless it's their idea, they're just not going to do it. And I think when it comes to Timmy, he is outspoken on some of the issues. There's people that that he's worked with or that knows him, and they don't like it. It's that simple. They just don't like it. I don't know all the details of whether he's really experienced discrimination at his job, but it's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's also possible that they don't like his independence. I think he even stated in his interview with you that he doesn't really like taking orders from anybody else. And if you don't really like that, sometimes what you have to do is you've got to do your own business. You've got to you got to carve out your own path. And even doing that, you still have to work with society and people, and you have to be able to listen and take in the feelings of the people that are around you, whether you're the boss or not. As you know, I have that famous saying is that I don't really want people working for me. I want people to be able to help and work with me. And I think that's what Timmy would like as well. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 